0: Pray, Lord, for firstly for our team who are out there uh, trying to get flights. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd intervene, that you'd make available a flight for them, make straight their path to bring bring them back to us. Lord, I pray for any hostages that were taken yesterday, Lord, that they would be freed, Lord, again, make straight their path to freedom, Lord. And we pray for any innocent civilians who seem to in these things, Lord, pay the brunt of the actions of the people with the the guns and and stuff like that, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for the innocent civilians in Israel and in Gaza, Lord, who undoubtedly will will pay the the brunt of this, Lord. It's a a mess, Lord, but I pray, Lord, that you would cause restraint for both sides, Lord, that you'd intervene, Lord, and again let peace dwell in the land, Father. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'm going to speak uh, about King David, and in particular, uh, a scene in his life which was where he was anointed. Very famous part of Scripture, uh, but really I'm going to come at it for a bit a different way, hopefully. So it's going to be about the different characters in this scene and what God's done in their life. And I'm sure there's something that God's done in your life that you'll be able to relate to to what I share here. So please bear with me, uh, and hopefully we'll get there. So it's 1 Samuel 16, and I'll break it into two bits. It says, The Lord says to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil, and go, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord says to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, And made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel says to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel says to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. He's only to give me two seconds to get a drink because that was quite a big bit. Okay. So let's set the scene scene, for what's actually happened here or what's actually happening here. So, the children of Israel eh, had demanded a king They had looked at the nations running about, and he says, "We want to be like them. We want a king." Now God says to Samuel, who was the last of the judges, he was the last of the leaders. Really, he was a prophet. He was the man who heard for God. Who heard for God? Sorry. He says, "Look, go and tell them that it's not you they've rejected; it's me they're rejecting." Aye. You see, when they get a king, this is what he's going to do paraphrasing here, but he's going to take the best of your land, he's going to take your firstborn sons into service, he's going to take a tenth of your crops, he's going to take a tenth of the the stuff that you make, he's going to take the best of your cattle, the best of your horses into his service, right? So basically, he's going to live after you, right? We have a royal family in your country, that's the way it works. We know that's the way it works. The royal family jet about the world on their private jets, the other stuff. Who pays for it? The people pay for it. right? So God says this to Samuel. This is what's going to happen. But the people said, we want one. We want him. So God commissioned Samuel to go and anoint Saul. And Saul, head and shoulders of everybody else, big, strapping, good-looking guy, not like me, I. Aye. Big tall guy, the the, the quintessential politician. He's there know, the flowing locks. And it's like, this guy looks like a king. He looks regal. And initially, he did God's will. He had successes in battle against the Amalekites. But what happened was, in one of the battles, he was told, Wait seven days, Samuel says to him, until I come to make a sacrifice. And he waited to the seventh day, midday the day. He made the sacrifice himself. Aye, he broke God's law as the priests were to make the sacrifice. It wasn't for the king to do that. So what happens is, you see the state start to overstep its mark. Aye, and it starts to get involved in religious affairs. So there you see the start of his slip. Aye. And what happens, God, at that point, says, the kingdom's been taken away from you. Aye. I've sought out somebody after my own heart, a man after my own heart. Aye. was reading Acts. The reason why David was a man after God's own heart, because he sought to do God's will. God sought out a man who was, was going to seek out a man who was going to do his will. Aye, he was going to do as he was commanded, which Saul did not do. But that was not the end for Saul. It was decreed, but it had not come to fruition yet. Aye? And so he continues on as king. And he makes a a rash vow one day. Aye? He says, the, the children of Israel are fighting. Aye? In a battle. And he says, if anybody eats this day, they're going to be cursed. And what happens? His boy Jonathan dips into the honey. So he doesn't fulfill the vow that he had made to God. And then eventually, what we see is another command that gets given. Go and utterly destroy the Amalekites in battle. But he doesn't, he presumes that it will be alright to keep King Agag alive. Aye, who's the king of the Amalekites. And to take the best of the spoil. Aye. No, he then presumes that to take the best of the spoil, God will be pleased if we sacrifice all, the, all these animals to him. Aye? So, it, you know, it's like that presumption. And we hear the, the kind of very famous bit in 1 Samuel 15 where it says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. You see, he had fallen away. He had fallen away. And when we look at our church today, not this church here at Eastgate, but when we look at the church in our land, it's committing the same sins as what Saul has, has committed. They're presuming that God will be okay with this. That God will be okay with that. Aye. As they start to drift ever further away from what God has commanded them. Aye. To preach the gospel. To preach the good news. To speak against sin. You see, there's a reason why here it says rebellion is the sin of divination. Some translations will say witchcraft. Aye. At its very core, witchcraft is manipulation. What you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate somebody to your will. Aye. So what Saul's trying to do is he's trying to manipulate the situation to his will. Aye. He's trying to circumvent God's will. And this is why it sounds quite, you know, quite strong, but that's the reality. At the root, it's the same. So this is what leads up to this point here where God says to Samuel, go, I'm going to send you. Just looking at my my notes here, bear with me. So when the Lord says to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? He then commissions him, go, fill your horn with oil and go. So Samuel is sent. He's sent to look for Saul's successor. And that's a dangerous mission because Saul's still the king. And although Samuel has said to Saul, the kingdom's going to be taken away for you here, he's probably sitting thinking, right, well, that was years ago he's told me that. Nothing's happened yet. Maybe he's wrong this time. Maybe he's not really hearing from God here. Aye? You can just picture him. It's like, Maybe maybe I can still, do you know what I mean, cling on to this here. Because I'm waking up in the morning, I'm still king. People are still doing what I'm telling them. So Samuel's on a covert mission now. Because if any of Saul's men, I find out that he's there to anoint the future king. While the king's still on the throne. Well, that's treason. And the price for treason is, you know, he'd cut off going to cost him his life, pardon me, so, what happens is here, Samuel said, how can I go, if Saul hears it, he will kill me, and the Lord said, take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, so God's given him a a goal, Ah, he's given him a directive, there's a plan I have for you here, and this is what I want you to do, now Samuel doesn't have all the details of that plan. He's got enough to take the next step. Aye? And I find that the more and more, that I, more recently, the more that I speak at places, you know, in the haven, here, and wherever else, I come back to the same thing. That we don't have all the details. Aye? God's not given us all the details. He's given us enough to get for A to B. And then it's an act of obedience that we carry that out. Because very often what I see is people are crippled. Because it's like, I want to know exactly times, dates, hours, how this is going to pan out. God's not going to tell you that. He wants you to live by faith. So when God tells you to go, you go. When God tells you to stay, you stay. When God tells you to speak, you speak. When God tells you to shut up, you shut up. It's harder for some than others. So it says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. So it says, Samuel did what the Lord commanded. He walked in obedience. But it says, the elders of the city came to meet him trembling. They came to meet him trembling. So why were they trembling? They were trembling because the man of God was here. And see if you have a fear of God in your life, which, looking at you, looking as though he's all day, aye. When you meet a man of God, you have a fear. You should have a fear. Aye. Because in my experience, the people that don't have a fear of God, aye, they don't fear the man of God. So Pally, how's it going? High fives, all right, pal. That tells me something about them. Aye. You see, the elders... They must have had a fear of God. Because when they see Samuel, they're afraid. What's he doing here? Aye. It's like sometimes, you know, you meet Arthur and it's like, all right, Arthur, how's it going? And it's like, you know, you're watching your P's and Q's. Aye. you know, no slapping and all that kind of stuff. But I see it with the guys at the Haven too. It's like, you know, you get guys at the Haven that are work and it's like sometimes you can walk into a room and the guys that fear the Lord, it's like, it's like they're quiet. Isn't that right, Martin? Aye. Aye. But see the guys that don't, they might to be a pal. They might to try and engage you in joking and all that kind of stuff, and it's like there's a line you don't cross with a guy who fears the Lord. Aye, if you fear the Lord. Does that make sense? So he says, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So he wasn't lying. Because that's what he was going to do. They just wanted to be privy to the information of what was going to go down here. Aye. Because they caused all sorts of trouble for him. It's like... The biggest thing that I've learned one of the biggest things in my walk so far with the Lord is really just to trust them step by step aye because when I try and work out what the next step is there's a couple of things going to happen one I'm going to be a bit anxious aye? I'm going to be a bit fearful aye two I'm probably going to get it wrong. Right, aye because what I'm going to try and do is make it happen I, you see, I can remember, it's like 10 years ago, going to Africa, I, well, even before that, I can remember sitting down the a wee service in the morning at the Haven, and after the service had taken place, uh, I'd sat down on a chair, and there's a guy at the Haven called Big Davy, and he, he used to be like the chairman. Right, and he comes and sits next to me. I'm quite a hard guy to get to know, as some of you probably know. <laughs> it's like, I don't wear my heart on my sleeve. I am, I'm quite quiet eh, if I don't know you. And so, I haven't really spent that much time with him up until this point, do you know what I mean? And he sits down next to me and he says, so, what do you want to do when you leave here? I've tipped my tongue, i about be a missionary. And that's true, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a missionary. So he goes away, has some conversations then. A couple of weeks later, sits down with me again and says, right, we're going to organise for you to go to Africa. I had to go to Swaziland. I'd never even heard that place called Swaziland before. Aye. So anyway, goes to Africa. When I'm out in Africa, you know, doing these things, it's like going to hospital, pray for children, you know, building houses. Just doing, like, stuff that, that I could do right? Now, Swaziland's one of the most evangelized countries in the world, right? The, the massive problem with HIV. And so everywhere you looked, there was like Free Church of Sweden, Free Church of Scotland, Pentecostal Church here, you know, Lutheran Church here, and it's like, just churches everywhere. I remember one day, I'm putting a, a roof on a piggery, right? And that turned me off eating pork for like five years, by the way. So for five years, I... I was eating kosher, aye. But it's like I'm looking about as I'm up here in the baking hot sun, getting sunburned, and it's like God doesn't need me here. God doesn't need me here. This is all gonna go on when I'm no here. So comes back to Scotland. I still didn't know what I wanted to do, didn't have a clue. Aye. And I remember on the Teen Challenge bus up at the Bell Grove Hotel up uh, on the east end of Glasgow. There was a wee guy, I was getting my sandwich, a cup of tea, and I the Lord just spoke to me, you're right where I want you to be. You're here. You're from here. You've got something to offer here. But I still didn't know what that meant. And after being obedient, day by day, week by week, month by month, God has made straight my path to where I'm on now. I, I, no, I really struggled with self-confidence my whole life, aye? It's like, and you can still see that in me bits when I sit up the back and don't really talk to him. when I come in here, do you know what I mean, right? But but to even stand up here and speak to you, it's like, it's a, it's a work of God in my life. But he has brought the right people into my life at the appropriate time. He has brought the right career move into my life at the appropriate time, Aye? And I didn't even once have any ambition to do any of the things that I'm doing now. Not one. But God has made sure that this has happened as I've continued to be obedient to Him. Now, along the way, I've been disobedient and all. And that's why it's probably took me so long to get to where I'm at now. Aye. So, what happens is then, Jesse presents the first son. Eliab. Aye. And much like Saul, he was a big, tall, handsome man. Aye. And you can imagine Eliab as he's presented before the prophet, he's probably sitting thinking, I'm gonna be the king. Aye. I'm gonna be who all this is lefty. Aye. I'm probably managing my father's activities already. Aye. I'm the gaffer over my wee brothers. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, imagine that. It's like this is it. This is my time. I have arrived. No, you've not. No, you've not. And you see, sometimes, try and put yourself in early abs' shoes. He's not done anything wrong. Aye? Probably was faithful to his father. Probably was a good steward. Aye? Probably looked after his wee brothers. And it's like, okay, it's like, aye, I want that promotion. I'm ready for the next step. No, you're no. That could be heartbreaking. I bet it was heartbreaking. And then, as he pulls out his other brothers, the same thing happens. And God says, He says, Look, man looks in outward appearance. I look upon the heart. I. You know, I really struggled, as I said, with self confidence. I hated my grey hair, I hated it. How vain was that? Do you know what I mean? It held me back something as silly as that, and we all know who we are, because we all wake up in the morning and look at ourselves in the mirror, and it's like, what the heck, it's like, look at the state of me, do you know what I mean, or is that just me, my goodness, man must have a big problem, but that's what it can be like, it's like, you know what I mean, I'm too short, do you know what I mean, my teeth are crooked, do you know what I mean, it's like I've grey hair, blah, blah, blah you know, I stutter a bit when I speak, I'm quite forgetful. And it's like you could think of a million reasons why God wouldn't lift you up for a position. Aye. God has called you, warts and all. Aye. He knows who you're better than you know. Aye. He looks at the heart. It's not what you can do. It's not how good you can speak. It's not how fast you can run. It's not how much money you've got. It's not what job you've got. He's called you, aye, for a specific purpose. that only you can fulfill. Maybe he's not. I don't know. So. Eventually, what happens is he runs out of brothers in the house and he says to Jesse, is this it? Is there anybody else? You see, Jesse had rejected David. His own father had rejected him. Aye. <coughs> it's like, he didn't even get a look in. It's, like it's not even an afterthought. Like he's out there with the sheep. He's he's the runt. Aye. Aye. His own da had rejected him. But when he came down, he was ruddy and beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord says to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You see, the anointing could really mean two things, aye. One, it was anointed as king, aye. It was a sign of, you're you're the chosen one, aye. But really, what it represented was the Holy Spirit, aye. The oil was the representation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because remember when Saul was anointed the Holy Spirit came upon Saul but when God rejected him the Holy Spirit departed from him and now the Holy Spirit had came upon David and it's like yes that's it it's all plain sailing for David now because once you get the anointing that's it isn't it, it's plain sailing <laughs> Half of a smile there. Well, no, it's anything but plain sailing. Why don't you get the anointing? That's when the trouble starts. Aye, because now you're a threat. Now you're a threat to the enemy. You see, it's like, if you've not got the anointing, it's you're just doing at your are You're just pigging out, going for a drink, going on holiday, whatever you're doing. But the anointing comes. Now you want to be about your father's business. And when you want to be about your father's business, well know you've got a problem. Because no, you've got an enemy. Doesn't he want you to be about your father's business? You know, we see this quite powerful, but quite powerfully. Certainly in the life of Jesus, and we look at Luke chapter four. And it's when Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. i I'll read the rest of it. I'll just give you a bit of what's happening and what comes. Again, if you don't believe me, be like the Bereans. Go and search it So, the people sitting there are like, Oof, we'll have some of that. We'll have some of that. That sounds good. I concur. That sounds good. Something about this guy. Aye, maybe the spirit of the Lord is upon him. But Jesus starts to then tell a couple of stories. He says, there was many widows in Elijah's day. Aye, but the prophet was sent to Sidon. He said, there was many lepers in Elisha's day. But it was Naaman who got the healing. It was Naaman that was told to dip in the Jordan seven times that was healed. And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And it says they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. You see, when Jesus spoke the truth, because when you have the anointing, you will speak the truth. Aye. And it's the truth that's going to set people free. But when you speak truth, you're going to be opposed. You might even be opposed from people within the church. That's the reality. But Jesus was faithful to what his Father had commanded him to today. do. Today's Father's will. Aye. To set the captives free. You see, it was bigger than just Israel. It was the whole of humanity. Aye. God's plan was for. So the anointing will bring you trouble, aye. The anointing will come at a cost. There's some stuff that has to go, and there's some stuff that has to start, aye. So let's get to the second bit. So David's now in Saul's service. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, And a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant says to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul says to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skilful in playing, a man of valour, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me, David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, laden with bread, and a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. So, Imagine you're King David. Well, you weren't even King David yet. You've been anointed as king. Aye, but officially, there's no crown on your head. Aye, you're still going out to clean the sheep down. You're still going out to shear the sheep. Aye, you're still going out to fight the lions and the bears and whatever troubles are going to befall your father's flock. Imagine that. Aye, somebody tell you what responsibility that would be. One day you're going to be king. But see the day, get out there and clean the rubbish in the field that you're meant to be doing. So you'd be thinking to yourself, was that guy off? his heat? He's anointed me to be king, but here I'm updating this. Maybe this guy's wrong. And it's like how possibly is this gonna to come to pass whereby I'm gonna be the king? Surely, surely is this a dream? Is, did this really happen? So he's out there doing it and then one day somebody says right you come here we've got a job for you why don't you go and play the harp for King Saul? So one day you're called for the field and now you're in the palace wow so now you can see him standing there and it's like what about and it's like one day this is going to be mine. One day, I'm going to be the king. And you start to see how God starts to orchestrate things. He's starting to bring things to reality in David's life. Step by step, day by day, he's obedient to his earthly father, and his heavenly father. It's starting to go well for him. Aye. But Saul's tormented. Saul's going to have his head. Holy Spirit has withdrawn from Saul and a harmful spirit has taken its place. What would have happened if Saul had repented? Who knows? Who knows? Even King Ahab repented. King Ahab, the henpecked husband of Jezebel who really ruled the country repented God granted him that but Saul and his pride nah, he didn't you see very often what happens in, in our life it's like when we're doing the wrong thing aye we don't feel good aye, when we grieve the Holy Spirit of God there will be Feeling of unease that comes into your life, and you see, you can seek people out, you can go and seek counsellors, you can go and do whatever as you want to do, and you can, you know, neglect to tell the full truth. But sometimes, deep down, we know, we know what we're not doing, or we know what we are doing that we shouldn't be doing, and with a feeling of unease, right? with a feeling of distance for God the key is to repent Aye. the key is to turn back, Aye. he's a gracious God, Aye. his mercy is on you every day Aye. he doesn't want you to feel like that but he's no bothered if you do. because he's trying to convict you of the things in your life that you know you shouldn't have been doing and so David finds himself then playing the harp when he plays the harp because he's anointed with the Holy Spirit it goes you see for years I've been kind of loosely connected with outreach meetings mostly up in Port Glasgow and people who kind of date me a full time certainly but what I've noticed in my years doing that there's groups of people who've been going to the same outreach meetings for 10 years. 10 years. You know why? Because they feel good in them. They feel good. For an hour, two hours, three hours. they've got peace. For the chaos that's in their life. But yet they still do not make a commitment to come to Christ go away back into their house, into their community, and the feelings come back. Feelings come back. Week after week, year after year, they're there. Because when they are in the presence of people who are anointed by the Holy Spirit, there's a certain amount of peace. They catch the blessing by proxy. But catching the blessing by proxy isn't enough. Aye? Catch the blessing for yourself. Do you know what I mean? And so when we are faithful to preach that message to, the, to these people, I said, like, why are you still here after 10 years? What are you doing? You're better off no coming. Do you know what I mean? It's like they get a wee cup of tea and people say, oh, how's it going? You know, we stroke. And it's like, oh, that's terrible what's happening to you. And it's, oh, you pray for me and all that stuff. But still don't make a commitment. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Is the way you want to live? Well, it must be. This is what you keep doing. Sometimes we shouldn't look, aye, to make people feel all right, to escape from their feelings. People need the truth, aye. This is going to continue for the rest of your life unless you make a commitment, aye. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can take away their feelings of dis-ease, of unease, Of anxiety, of fear. That's what they need to hear. So, what we're after then? Truth. We're after the anointing. We're after doing God's will. We're after looking that God's doing a big massive work in our world that we're no privy to all the details. He's doing a big massive work in this church that we're no privy to all the details. Because he's working on every single one of his individually. And we've got enough to go on what he wants us today. Don't fall into the trap of being, you know, absolutely disabled by the fear of the future. The future doesn't exist. It's not here. You try to pull the all into the day, you're going to do your nut. Aye? You know what you need today to do today. That's why Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, do not worry. Aye? Who one of you by worrying can add another to his life? Nobody. Tomorrow has enough worries. Don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough troubles for itself. Amen.